Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Screws. I'm listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you. It's a phone call. 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you want. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get to the newsletter today. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the first What does the first Tuesday of each month tell you? Of course, if you have a barbecue ill, you have a barbecue sickness, you feel some type of barbecue illness coming on, you have to get with the doctor of barbecue, the good doctor of barbecue. And he will be here at 914, the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Ray Lampy, Barbecue Hall of Famer, is it? That's right. 
At 9.35, we added a late guest. Happy to have him. Longtime sponsor of this show, making some of the best barbecue products out there, period. And one that happens to be, I think, a product that has revolutionized not only barbecue and grilling, but potentially just the world of culinary delights and cooking and whatever else. 935 brings you the pitmaster of Butcher's Barbecue Competition cooking team, Dave Bosca, joining me. And then we'll move to the second hour and a very special guest, somebody who I love to chat barbecue with whenever he has the time. And this just happens to be the month slash week that time is allotted for the show, and I'm always happy to have him. He is an executive TV producer, uh, Emmy Award winning, I might add. He is the creator of Barbecue on Television. I don't even think that's a stretch to say. I think he pretty much laid the foundation for anything that you have seen barbecue related. He has blazed that trail. He is also a very accomplished playwright, comedic writer, and friend of this show. At 10.14, we will welcome once again John Marcus to the show. And we're going to be talking just a lot about cooking with John. He is a accomplished competition cook, by the way, if you didn't know. And we're going to talk to John extensively about some of his techniques, things that he sees working on the competition trail. Of course, we'll talk about the showbiz and entertainment side as well. But we're looking forward to speaking with John about an hour and 11 minutes from now. Plus, your phone calls and emails, 216-220-0966. The phone, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com is the email address if you want to get in contact with me. All right, the show's on. Let everybody know that it's happening. It's live, local, and late breaking. Get on the Facebooks, the emails, the tweeter if you're into the Google+. Plus. Does anybody into the Google Plus? If you are, let everybody know the show is on. A couple different links to send them to. My particular website, if you definitely just want the audio, which I don't blame you, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then click on the Listen Live or Live Now. or It's a huge red button right as you get to the top of the landing page there. You can't miss it. That actually directs you over to TuneIn Radio. That's an app you can actually download to any smart device that you have. So if you can't be in front of a computer, or on the Outdoor Cooking Channel, or on Roku to watch it live on a big screen. You can get TuneIn.com from your particular app store, whatever platform you use. And you never have to be without the live show on a Tuesday. Plus, off-show hours, you get a whole number of years in the past in rotation, randomly. So if you've missed shows a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, it it goes back maybe three and four years. I think at turn of the year, I'm going to repair that down and start to build the current year out but right now it probably goes back three four years so an extensive archives of this show when the show isn't live tuesdays from 9 to 11 so be sure to tune in whenever you feel the need for good barbecue talk and then as i had mentioned on roku as well that's internet protocol television iptv if you have one of those and you have an app store go in it and search for outdoorcookingchannel.com if OutdoorCookingChannel.com is available in your IPTV app store, download it, and you can watch a live stream of shows that Kevin has in the playlist ready to go each and every day for you. On Tuesdays, specifically, you can find uh, my show, 9 to 11. Preceding me, you can find Chad Ward's Whiskey Ben Barbecue Radio Show from 7 to 9. 
the four best hours in barbecue talk radio ever. Ever in the history of ever. Don't let any other outlet fool you that they somehow have better, more accomplished, better speaking, more well-produced shows than right here on Outdoor Cooking Channel. It's a lie. Lies. Lies, I tell you. So that's how you find the show. Very happy to have you aboard here. 216-220-0966, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right. Uh Uh-oh. Bad news. Bad news for Todd at Bark Brothers. Uh Why? Week number two of no-shoe pictures. What did we say, Todd? All the way back when I got those original Soul Kicks from Soul Kicks and they were a size too small, the guy at Soul Kicks said, hey, don't send them back. Give them away as promotional material. And I was like, hey. I dig that. My guy, Seth Saunders, hooking me up with the shoes, sent me some uh, two pairs that fit, which I've been wearing around deliciously, I might add. But we contest or said, hey, if you want these shoes and you can fit into 11s or whatever that came out to be, I forget. You have, when you get the shoes, you got to go in public and you got to take pictures, right? Well, uh, my man, I got to tell you, My man Doug from Michigan has had zero issues. Zero. Todd, this is incredibly bad form on your part, and I won't even mention the karma and not the good kind. You are raining down upon yourself. As I just mentioned, Doug from Michigan posted pictures of him and his son at the Ypsilanti, Michigan's Sam Clut event this past weekend. With his shoes on, full body shots. Todd, where are you? Dude from Michigan is beating your ass. That should be especially hurtful to you. This was not part of the deal. Don't be a show whore, Todd. Nobody likes a whore. Nobody. Well, I might be painting a bit too broad with the strokes, but I have the tape of what the rules were. Doug from Michigan is winning. And the verbal lambastings will continue each week until you pay up. And if you think I am kidding, just ask Chad Ward how well that worked out for him when he even attempted to make it look like he was welching on a bench. On a bench. Did not go well for Chad. For weeks on end, we were calling. So, until the pictures show up, until the pictures show up, all-out boycott on Bark Brothers Barbecue until Todd pays his debt. All out. And the beatings will continue until morale improves. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Todd, really? You know it. Chad, weigh in, remember? Remember when you weren't shaving your little goatee? I know John Dawson especially wants to see pictures of those shoes because he was like the second one in after the, or he was the first one in after the pairs were gone. He was like, no, I was going to wear them all over Boise. I hated to tell him that he was literally one email short. Oh, I know it happened. Goatee gone. It happened. But it took, it took some uh, protesting, didn't it, Chad? Little heavy protesting. All right. 
We're locked and loaded. I'm ready to go. 216-220-0966. That's the phone number. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That is your email address. And we have some, you know, business to take care of with my guests. We might be broaching a topic tonight. People never would have thought we would be talking about But I believe we might be on the precipice of a new fad in barbecue. More on that in a bit. Let me talk to you right now about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to use and buy. Who needs the hassle, right? But I strongly suggest a Pit Barrel Cooker. The PBC makes cooking simple and fun. And it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulder, and ribs, while also being able to ramp up in temp to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to a revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook-and-hang method places the food in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. The result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time in the industry. We call it consistency. Not only is the Pit Barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's built to withstand the heat, and thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the Pit Barrel is able to stand up to any type of weather condition. Extremely portable. Fits in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the Pit Barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan, to pit grips, to turkey hangers, the hinged grill grates, there's a full line of accessories that will really complete your Pit Barrel experience. And the best part, for $299, the Pit Barrel comes fully assembled, it's ready to cook on, and it ships for free right to your door. Don't take my word for it. The folks at AmazingRibs.com give the Pit Barrel Cooker a 10 out of 10 rating in their gold division. That's the highest rating, by the way. Not once, not twice, but three years in a row, they have said, and I quote, we're running out of good things to say about this simple, affordable smoker. There's nothing else like it on the market. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos shot in high definition. Then pick up one or two for yourself or your neighbor. My neighbor uses mine all the time. You'll thank me later. They'll thank you later. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their website, PitBarrelCooker.com, or call 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. And yes, they'll actually pick up the phone and talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. PitBarrelCooker.com. That's PitBarrelCooker.com. And hopefully we have some... Interesting news to mention about Pit Barrel in the coming weeks, working out the T's and I's of crossing and dotting. All right, we're back with the doctor's visit. Ray Lampy coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 
This portion of the Barbecue Central show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash to be won. Eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This weekend, the Sam's Club Tour rolling into Kansas City, Missouri for the local qualifying event being held there. To keep up with the Sam's Tour results and to see where the next event just might be, you can visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. That's kcbs.us. Dot us slash Sam's Tour, and as always, we thank Sam's Tour for the continued support here of this show over the last few years. All right, here we go. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. All right, Ray Lampy is in the house. Razor, what's up? Hi, Greg. How oh, are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. And you? Wonderful. Here we go. Resting up. I was in Reno eating ribs all weekend, and life is good. Uh, Reno all weekend. What's happening in Reno? Oh, the best in the West, the giant rib burn-off out there. Um, It's a huge deal. It's all the giant rib-selling guys, but it's a lot of fun. Like uh, old-school Billy Bones type of a situation out there? Billy Bones' team was there. Really? Yeah, they came in. I think they came in second, actually. Yeah. So is that you know for the? I don't want to diverge immediately off the bat, but why not? It's our show, and we'll do whatever I we did want. It. Sorry. So, you know, I think there there has to be somewhat of a delineation because in Cleveland, for instance, and I don't know why it is, but we love the rib cookoffs here, and it's not to be confused with what we talk about a lot here on this show, which is the barbecue contest. But he's got the the huge 50-foot stands and all the banners, and it's only ribs, only ribs. And it's not just like anybody can get in there and compete. It's a whole situation, right? Yeah, Cleveland's the birthplace of that stuff. Really? Uh, I was talking to Joey Stutfin, uh, or Stutfin, or however you say his name, from Texas Thunder. Joey, one of the original guys, man. 28 years he's been going to Reno, and I'm sure he was there in the early days there in Cleveland. Where do you stay at? At some airport or something. Yeah, it's right on the lake, Burke Lakefront Airport. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Tommy Houston. Tommy had at least four giant old hickories. Uh, I think they were old hickories. Giant. I mean, like thousands of pounds of meat cooking ribs. It's all about selling. Now, there's a contest, and I was a judge. It's They take the judging serious. But even if you don't win, you're still, it's big business. It's fun. And people love it. That's the thing. You know, we talk about the KCBS contest, and what's a complaint you hear all the time? You don't get to eat the barbecue. Right. There, you get to eat every barbecue. The people wait in line at everyone, get a three-bone thing, and decide who their winner is. It's amazing. And I think the the biggest point of difference, aside from, you know, everybody can sample, and you mentioned it, it's big business. Like, teams can actually make money, whereas you look at the stuff we normally talk about, I mean, you're just happy to, to break even or almost break even doing what we normally discuss. Oh, big business. Yeah, these guys leave with, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, they come from all over the country to Reno, and they're not there goofing around. They're there because they're making money. Can you can you lose money at those situations, or are you have you have if you're in it, have you done it enough to where you know you know where to to hedge those bets? I guess. I think Reno is pretty safe. I actually did it for a while. Um, it's funny, Tommy Houston and I always talk. Tommy's first event 
was as a partner with me, and it was my last event because I didn't want any part of it. It's it's a lot of work, and you really got to ramp up your equipment. It just wasn't my thing. But Tommy was into it, and uh, we did our first event together. And it's you know the reason I didn't like it was because the potential week in and week out. If you you really in general you should do fifteen of them across the summer. If ten of them are big money makers, two are break even. You lose on three, you're going to do pretty good. Um, but Reno, I don't know. It seems to be pretty bulletproof out there because the weather's going to be good. It's not going to get a rain out. The people come. It's so well established. Um, so some of those guys, that's the only one they do anymore. Talk to me about the quality of the products. Is there a lot of crap out there, or is it all good? It's it's my big complaint with it is it's all very similar. It's not bad at all. It's good, but. They all buy their ribs from the same truck. They all got similar cookers. They probably all buy from the same pile of wood unless they carry it in. Um, and, you know, they, they're not going to do anything really. It, it almost like KCBS. Nobody's going to veer off the path because that wouldn't be smart. Uh, so I, my complaint as a judge and probably if I was out there sampling was it's all pretty similar. But it's all good. They all make good ribs. It's not a bad thing at all, but it's just not very interesting. Are a lot of them uh, like finished over the open flame charcoal grill? Yes, that's their thing. A uh, couple of things they do. They don't peel the membrane, so what they do is try to char it off, uh, which is reasonably successful. Uh, they also do it as part of the show. I used to, when I did it, I had a, a roller, a little paint roller, one of the little skinny ones, and I was rolling barbecue sauce on the ribs all day. No actual barbecue sauce like really changed hands there, but it looked cool. It looked like I really had something going on, and it's a big show. All right, so uh, Ray Lampy recapping the the big event in Reno. Uh, this pad, the big rig. And I got burn. the party with a guy from TMZ. Who Harvey or whatever his name is? No, Harvey wasn't there. It was Gary. Hmm. Kind of the big bearded looking guy that's sitting there all the time. He's actually a really good guy. All right, so uh, next week the Hartville Hardware event is coming up. You're going to be kind of around the greater Cleveland area. This has actually turned out to be a bigger event than I anticipated. Not, I mean. Big enough on its own that Ray Lampy is actually coming out. But the more I'm talking to people, the other big manufacturers are sending people out. They're going to be holding classes. They might be doing demos on the side of you. I mean, this is kind of a, a whole big deal that I didn't really knew existed out there. I kind of didn't either, honestly. Um, but it's fine with me. It's good. To, I know a lot of them people. I'm happy to see them. And none of them have big green eggs. So it's like it's an, you know, it's an easy one for me. All right, so and, and we're still excited to, to come and meet the uh, the grassroots people of, I guess, uh, South Cleveland and North Akron. I'm excited, man. I get to meet you too, Greg. I know. that. Well, that's, I mean, it goes without saying, of course. We've so. never actually been in the same place, have we? No, never once, I don't think. Not even for any Kingsford events or anything. So this is you're going to be in my stomping grounds. Uh, who knows what could happen? We could meet uh, celebrities or we could be the only celebrities that we actually see. That's fine. So football season for college uh, started this past weekend. NFL starts, obviously, this coming Sunday. Uh, this will, of course, be another race to the bottom for the Cleveland Browns. And unfortunately, Ray, I don't know if it's going to look that much better for the Bears this year either. However, oh, no, the Bears are looking good this year. All right. Well, we'll see about that. So uh, now I would like to caution you by saying that the Browns fans think the Browns are always going to look better next year. And that next year still hasn't came, but that's all right. No, Nonetheless. You always seem to have something going on, like football-related or fall sport-related. Do you have anything in the works or anything you're getting ready to unveil at this point? No, actually you don't. That thing we did for a few years, it just ran its course and it's done, and nothing new has come up. So, no, I've kind of got a, a soft fall. 
I do have the new book launching, though. The Big Green Egg book launches October 4th, so I'll, I'll be busy doing that. But not really football-related other than, you know, a lot of football games. It's a good time to cook some barbecue. Uh, is somebody able to get you to a tailgate? Can they just, like, call you up, or do you have, like, an agent that you work through where if you wanted Dr. Barbecue to come and do an event for you, depending on size and location and stuff? Sure, yeah, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. And as a matter of fact, last year I got, I got called to a... Uh, I went and did a Adobe party at a Giants game, Adobe software party at a Giants game. It was kind of last minute, and it was, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I still love doing that stuff, and and yeah, something will probably come up. Uh, I'm certainly available, uh, but I got like, I mean, I'm pretty busy. It's not like I got nothing doing this fall. Yeah, that's right. But and then fun like that. Like books, books seem to be more and more having to to go out and promote and promote because, as we had talked about a month ago, or even two or three months ago. Barbecue books this year especially seem to be a lot more pervasive than they've ever been, and you got a whole bunch of different options to choose from. A lot of cookbook styles, but uh, even uh, uh, coming up next week, there's going to be this whole big you know, reference book by Joe Haynes on Virginia barbecue and the history of it. Not necessarily a cookbook per se, but there seems to be a lot being written about the industry, which I guess as far as continued success and involvement and engagement from a consuming base still shows that it's a viable situation. Yeah, well, you know, there's all this history. I think it's great. I haven't seen that book yet, but it's great that people are digging it up and writing it down because, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that the history's there, and a lot of those people are still alive, but they're not going to be for very long. You know, down the road, if we don't write some of these stories, um, I think it's great. And plus, you know, we get into this regional stuff. What did you say, Virginia or West Virginia? Yeah, Virginia, right. Yep. Yeah, see, I didn't even know about that. But that's great because we get locked into this idea that there's four regions of barbecue, which is complete nonsense. They've been cooking barbecue in Virginia for a long time, and it is a pretty distinct style. I was with Tommy Houston the other day, and Tommy, Tommy does things a little different. Tommy's from Virginia over there, and he does things different than, other than most of the other guys and just how he grew up learning how to cook barbecue. So I think that's great. Uh all those history books. I mean, the recipe books. I don't know how many more recipes can we can we write. I'll keep trying, but <laughs> we keep writing them and writing them. I, I think I told you before. After I wrote my first three books, I was like, "Well, this is over." You know, how many more barbecue books can we have? And I'm up to nine. And my God, how many have there been alongside me? Yeah, uh, plenty, no doubt about it. So, let's get to some Facebook questions because that that seemed to be kind of a, a hot topic here over the last handful of hours. I guess before we get to the first one, I wanted to ask you something because I got an email from a guy that is kind of a semi-recurring guest here on this show, uh, Sam the Cooking Guy, and he told me that he had sous vide, sous vide, he had sous vide a brisket for like almost an eternity, thirty hours or whatever, and then he finished it in the smoker, and he said it was, you know, great end product, blah blah, and I was, and I kind of just one off it, and then I just had another conversation with somebody. A guy in Cleveland is going to be opening, uh, allegedly, a sous vide barbecue restaurant where he's going to sous vide the proteins for a designated period of time and then put them on the grill and finish them off. Uh, or um, I don't know if he's – wait, it was going to be sous vide, then in the, perhaps in the smoker, and then you know flash them on the grill for a little char, you know, something like that. Are you seeing anything that would lead you to believe that sous vide barbecue is starting to make any kind of trend in the industry, or is this literally just me hearing it twice and that's probably going to be it? Well, there's been a lot of buzz about it lately, no doubt. But steaks, uh, right? I mean, mostly for grilling. Well, yeah, and I think it's just because the, the sous vide equipment used to cost $1,500, 
and now it costs 150. So they've worked their ways into people's homes, and they're starting to do it. I, you know, I, I haven't tried it yet. I'm sure it works really well, but I'm just gonna. It's not barbecue. Right. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, why is that different than cooking stuff in a crock pot, smoking it for a half hour and putting it in a crock pot? To me, it's the same thing. That's fine. It might taste good, but it's just not barbecue. Barbecue is cooked in a smoker. Let me ask you about brisket on a high level here. And I do have a, another great brisket cook coming up behind you here at 935 in Dave Boskin. Uh, I may or may not have a neighbor that attempted a brisket yesterday. And they... They really want to place a lot of fault in the beef, and I didn't. I don't. I wasn't there to watch the whole thing. I'm getting kind of the, the second hand, so I want to believe he was doing it right from the guy inside gave him the last time. But can you can you get a bad cut of meat that no matter how you cook it, it is just going to be tough? Maybe the flavors there. I mean, the flavor was really good. It looked good. It was just, I mean, boot leather tough, especially in the middle. The ends were okay. But can it? Can you just have a cut of brisket that is not going to be relenting, no matter how good of a cook you are, no how or, or no matter what you do to it? I, I think I think no. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean there can't be one somewhere. But the guys that are good brisket cooks, you know, now everybody cooks wagyu and stuff. But there, those restaurants like Kreitz's and Louis Mueller and them old places. They weren't always cooking high grade meat, and they didn't. They got them right all the time. We competition guys. We used to buy them at Sam's Club or wherever you could find, and and cook them. And you know, I mean, we would cook too because sometimes we want to be a little different than the other. But in general, I I actually screwed one up recently myself. And Sandy was like, you know, she said the same thing. Was it a bad piece of meat? And I said, no, I'm pretty sure I just screwed it up. So I yeah, I think that's excuse. Can you counter? Where some would say, "Hey, it's it's gonna be uh, I'm getting a wagyu or you know such and such brisket that's really high level, and you're automatically going to assume it's going to be great." Can you also is it also a fallacy to believe that if a brisket is twenty dollars and the next one on the shelf is forty dollars, that the twenty or forty is going to give you lesser or better of a product? Well, I'll even tell you that a cheaper one might be better because the whole concept of brisket is you take this tough piece of meat and you break down the collagen, and you've got then this gelatinous thing, like cooking short ribs or stuff like that. You know, when they break down, it turns into this beautiful thing. And I don't know that a Wagyu brisket, actually, that ever really happened. You can get it tender, and it'll be good, but more along the line of a piece of roast beef or a steak than a brisket to me. So, I, I no, I don't think it's automatically. You might have to cook it a little different. Um, I don't necessarily think it's better, though. I think, you know, in the competition world, I'm actually going to cook in Plant City in November. I'll go buy a high-dollar brisket, even after saying that, because that's what everybody else is cooking. Mine wouldn't be the same as that, and that's what the judges are sort of accustomed to. But, no, I don't think uh, I don't think that at all. I think you can take a cheap brisket and still make it be good. Ray Lampy joining me here on the show. I apologize for, for you, you indulged me, and I appreciate it. But let's go ahead and get to some of these Facebook questions. First one from Brandon Nelson. Best way to smoke chicken wings without turning rubbery. Uh, the skin, I assume he imagined. Yeah, I mean, there's no good good way if you cook them low, any chicken like that. Cook them hotter um, or finish them on the grill or uh, if you have the ability, fry them after you smoke them. Um, but, I mean, smoked chicken, you know, that that's how we evolved to 
poached chicken on the barbecue circuit. We all used to smoke chicken, and the judges weren't anal about that the skin was rubbery because they understood barbecue creates rubbery skin on chicken. Now, that's how we evolved into this poached and butter chicken thing because of that. So, uh, you know, if you don't like rubbery skin, just cook a little hotter or don't cook your chicken in the smoker. Mitchell Bidwell wants to know, which beard oil, if any, does Dr. Barbecue use? Do you use oil in that beard, Ray? No, I don't. I, I, I will tell you my technique. I, I do use purple shampoo. They have this stuff that uh, Sandy's, Sandy's hairdresser turned me on to. And it's for, like, when your hair is gray and, and kind of salt and peppery, it kind of, yeah. If you, but when you're getting closer to white, you want it, it'll kind of, it doesn't bleach it, but it keeps it whitened up like that. So I use purple shampoo, and I use conditioner on it right after I purple shampoo it. Do you have a, uh, do you have a, like a measuring stick to keep it only so long or do you, do you no, like, recently, how do you trim that? I just, every now and then it, it annoys the hell out of me and I cut it. Look at this is, I cut this off <laughs> not long ago. I cut that much of it off. Wow. So it was, it was pretty long. <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow. Um, now nah, I just, when it starts bugging me, I cut it. All right. So, uh, Scotty Johnson, better airport Vegas for the road, hard women. Or Reno with the Burning Man women. I don't even know what the hell that means. Well, that's why I was complaining about both this weekend. I was in Las Vegas stuck there for, like, for a two-hour layover. <laughs> and the Las Vegas airport is like everybody is either you know drunk or just ready to party or just finished partying for five days. And I saw some crazy stuff, and I was tweeting about it. And then I was coming home, and I don't know if you know what Burning Man is. It's this, like, hippie festival oh, in Reno. yes, and right. And these people are all got the desert stuff all over them. They made them, they made them all put their suitcases in giant plastic bags before they could check them in because they, were, they just had so much dust on them and stuff, and those people were bugging the hell out of me. So I, I would say it's a tie. Both sucked. All right, next question from uh, Lemuel McFly. Can you still find parts for first-generation big green eggs? I was given one last night, the model that came out the very first year. I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. Um, the very first year, what? I mean, they've been making them for 50 years or more. I guess it was like the first I, year, right, 1974 or whatever that was? That it was a big green egg. Uh, yeah. The parts should be interchangeable, yes. What you need to do is find a good dealer that knows what they're doing, or call Atlanta and, and try to talk to Bruce. Bruce knows all about that stuff in Atlanta at Big Green Egg. All right, uh, next question from Brett Brown. When is it okay to use liquid smoke? I actually will use it occasionally um, in barbecue sauce. If you're making a homemade barbecue sauce, sometimes a little splash of liquid smoke will make it taste more like those store-bought sauces instead of like some fancy ketchup. So I think it's okay. Liquid smoke is a natural product. It's like a byproduct of charcoal. This is not some evil bastard. Uh, you know, I mean, liquid smoke is a much is a, is a more natural product than phosphates, which we all use all the time. Nothing. Don't get David pissed at me, but uh, Brett, it is never okay to use liquid smoke. <laughs> uh, liquid answer. smoke is the devil's urine, and uh, what Ray said is exactly why you don't want to use it. You can go up and down the barbecue sauce aisle and open the bottle of 90% of those, and the first thing you get on the nose is liquid smoke. Now, look, I understand. I am obviously in the consuming minority when it comes to that. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many that have that particular olfactory emanation when you put your nose into the bottle. But, oh, my God, take the time to make your own freaking sauce and stay away from that shit for crying out loud. Get that big 
Yeah. Ray and I differ, obviously. Here I think we this. disagree on that That's one. That's right. All right. So, uh, next question. Best smoker to use in a commercial setting? And a, a sub-question. Can a backwoods be used in a commercial kitchen? Well, I don't think it's backwoods. I mean, anything could be used if your local health department will approve it. But to me, I'm getting ready to open a restaurant. We're buying commercial equipment. There's Fast Eddie's, Cook Shack's. There's Southern Pride, there's Old Hickory, there's J&R Oiler. I think that's the ones that I know about. They're all really good, real commercial equipment, real kitchen equipment. I would not want to jack around with uh, with something that the health. First of all, the health department, unless you're in in Austin, they don't. They're going to think you're crazy that you want to have charcoal in your kitchen. Um, and, and why do you want to do that? You know, the reason this stuff is commercial equipment is because it works consistently. It's made to last. It's not going to break. It's going to be able to easy to clean. Not, nothing against backwoods. It's a good cooker. Um, guys use them. But to me, if I'm opening a restaurant, I want, I'm planning on selling a lot of food and being busy. And I'm going to have equipment that's going to hold up to that. Uh, are you at liberty to say who you're courting right now for smokers, or is that a, a deal yet to be struck? Oh, uh, we're going to have multiples, let's say that. Uh, we, we didn't lock it in yet, but I can tell you which way. I'm, I'm not going to tell you which way I'm leaning, but um, we'll have more than one. We're going to have a bunch of fun stuff. So, the, you know, we may have a backwoods, but it's not going to be doing our heavy lifting. We're going to be a big, busy restaurant, so we got to have real equipment. Ray Lampy is here on the show doing the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. I blew all our time, of course. Uh, no surprise here when we do it each and every first Tuesday of the month. Ray's website, by the way, drbbq.com. That's drbbq.com. And if you have a question for an upcoming Ask Dr. Barbecue segment, askdrbbq.com is the place to go. Ray, next Wednesday, it's a date. I'm going to bring my recorder. We're going to do some live recording stuff so we can replay it on the show the week after that. Really looking forward to it and always appreciate the time. Cool. Thanks, Greg. Can't wait. All see right. you next week. You got it. There's Ray Lamp. You heard what he said. He's going to see me next week. That's right. I'm frozen. There we go. Jeez. Whoa, that's hot. All right, so something is wrong with my... Dave, I got... I'm going to get you here, but something's wrong with my my guest mix here and I don't know what it is so oh boy now my Skype isn't responding here we go now it's back up let's go to options let's go to audio setting let's go to there see but you can hear that nobody's supposed to be able to hear that why can everybody hear that Hold on. don't get it.
Oh. No. All right, hold on. All right, Dave Bosca coming up out of the break. I have no idea what is going on with this sound. What's going on? It's looping somewhere, I can tell you that. It's going to be a nightmare once it finds itself, though. Dude, this chair is awesome, King. Leave me alone. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. A comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. Their rubs have won almost every major barbecue competition, period. BPS also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've also created a couple really cool competitions, like King of the Smoker, which is a best of the best and a barbecue head-to-head, back-to-basics competition. King the Smoker unique in that contestants may not use any electrical devices such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants just allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other one is the Guinea Pig, which is a cost-controlled competition that helps bring in newcomers to competitive barbecue. Also features pride distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, helping providing incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue as well. Although, the most seasoned of barbecue veterans also take place. On top of all that, Big Papa's has created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country, working together to promote camaraderie competition barbecue and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all this with only six years of being in the business, turning competition barbecue on its head, creating, creating their unique barbecue competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning. Again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Dave Bosco, right after this. Stick around. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're going to look for a big cooker, they got one for you. Medium size, they have you covered there as well. Small, take on tailgates, all that good stuff. They got one too. They can also supply you with pellets as well. Check them out, greenmountaingrills.com. I love mine. You could love yours as well if you would try Green Mountain Grills. Greenmountaingrills.com. What? Are you hearing the phone ringing? Yeah, well, I can tell you right now, there's something screwed up with that. Dave. Yes, sir. How are you? 
Wonderful. Maple Heights, Ohio. Maple Heights. Well, it's not really Maple Heights. It's really Wycliffe. But this is what happens when you're dealing with uh, internet phone numbers. Okay, okay. The bigger question is, how the hell are your, is your sound making it into my board when I cannot track you getting into my board? That's just extremely troublesome. I'm very worried about this whole situation. could blow up and, and we won't know what happens. Nevertheless... We will uh, continue to press through. So let me ask you this question first. By the way, we're talking with Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue, uh, uh, pit master of the competition team, and of course, a creator of the wonderful barbecue products, the injections, the rubs, the sauces, all that good stuff. I was talking with uh, Ray Lampy just a segment ago. Uh, you are a renowned brisket cook. I was recounting a story of my neighbor who seemed to have the raw end, no pun intended, of a brisket cook yesterday and it just seemed to be overly tough so let me pose the same question to you and see if you are on board with ray or if you might differ anywhere uh, i guess a can a a cheap brisket yield a bad product if you also see one you know if, if you buy the 20 or 30 dollar one could the 50 or 60 dollar one be that much better and um can you ever just get a bad piece of meat and no matter how good of a cook you are or no matter what you do to it, it's just going to be tough, and you're just kind of screwed. First, first part of the question is that's what gave my product the start was people cooking selects and choice, trying to stay up with the prime grade briskets. So that said, you can always doctor up a lesser quality product to help it. Um, now, can a piece of meat be tough? Absolutely. There's some things you have zero control over, and that's generally the last part of the animal's life. Um, if its adrenaline is flowing, um, it can become what we call a dark cutter and or a tough piece of meat. Uh, there's so many avenues that you don't know. If, if an animal is stressed out and is coming to a kill plant and is on its feet in a trailer and it smells uh beef when they smell blood they really get agitated they 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 can smell the death in it and they the cow will go short of being crazy so you have to when you're going to take them out you need to take them out quick take a plant like up here in wichita kansas creekstone farms they flush the air in their plant every minute um, just with a million revolution fans to keep their feedlots of uh, fresh air so that it's not smelt of the blood. So, yes, things can happen that you can't control. The feed program, and sometimes it's even the time of the year because feed changes throughout the year due to new corn, old corn, the protein in it, um, and sometimes even the, the uh, amount of products that they're giving them changes just simply because a cow can't nudge its way into the uh the the feed trough so things change absolutely i'm completely blown away so you're telling me that if a if cattle roll up on a kill plant they can smell literally death in the air and they get all freaked out some will absolutely If if we're out killing on the farm and and a cow will smell the blood. They'll they go they'll go nuts out in the middle of the field. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I don't know how many times when I was a kid, 
when we would be killing out there um, in our back 20 acres, we would have to put our cows in the front 20 acres to get them away from it because when they smell that blood, well, like we would shoot one off down by the trees and would have to drag it back up with the truck closer to the corral. Oh, my God, they would go nuts wow. um, back behind as, we're, as you're dragging it up with the tractor. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I just when I think I couldn't learn anything more, Dave Boskin comes up with a tale the likes I have never heard. But uh, so let me is that something you just get used to? Like the first time you saw somebody, you know, whack a cow, like was it fairly traumatizing to you or not really or what? I'm going to say it wasn't for me. I was raised around. I mean, we was raised on a farm. That's just that was that's the way of life. That's I mean, our whole. country and 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 everything we we were raised with all this it's just that we've some parts of our um uh uh, gosh i drew a blanks some parts of our life and everything people have moved to the city some stayed in the country and other people expect that the meat just comes magically to grocery stores right where it comes from well that's what i think i'm getting at is you, you know people seem to have no problem eating it and talking about where it should come from and how they should be raised and how should they do those. But, of course, then there's that whole other population that actually has to do the killing part of it, and nobody really ever wants to talk about that or look at it or take part. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and that goes with everything. It's just like a, um, a car, tires. Um, no one thinks much of the metal. I mean you got to think all the way back. It's not just a, a GM plant or a Toyota plant to put that together. You have to go all the way back to Pittsburgh. I mean, the steel's got to be made and ordered and sent in. Um, for years, We was having, when I was with the uh, Sam's Club, we were buying paper towels seven to ten years in advance, projecting our growth and our sales. They had to, I mean, you wow. had to go into a partnership with, with these companies because they had to plant the trees to grow for your product seven or 10 years down the road. Wow. And, and that's the way it is with turkeys and chickens and beef. You form a partnership with them. And that's, that's the essence of everything. Um, when it comes to farming, uh, they've got to, whenever McDonald's or something like someone like that comes out with a new product, uh, cranberry something or another, they will plan for almost two years wow. in preparation to get the crops grown to be able to facilitate that many cranberries to be sent worldwide or nationwide. And that's just how, I mean, that's just the planning that's behind the scenes that people don't realize, well, cranberries are in season. We're going to have cranberries on our salad now. No, that just doesn't happen that way. There's a lot of prep work in, in, in this, and that goes with the beef and, and everything else. Wow. Uh, great information here. Dave Bosca joining me here on the show. ButcherBBQ.com is the website. Of course, everybody knows that. Uh, so, Dave, let me ask you specifically, and I, because I would easily run out of time, and I wanted to have you on specifically to talk about what I feel, and I know I say it each and every week, and, and I perhaps may sound like a shill, but I don't care because I really believe that the grilling oil product that you have come up with and that has uh, now been for sale for the last handful of years is a spectacular product and one that is really, at least for my kitchen and some of the other folks that I talk to that buy it, has kind of revolutionized the way 
You can use butter flavoring and and, and butter flavored oils, uh, whatever flavor you're using of your stuff, of course. But I get emails going, well, how can it be safe and how can it be like this or how can it be like that? So I wanted to give you time to kind of go back through and discuss or tell us about grilling oil and why you can leave them out and how they're not going to go rancid. And, you know, I really want to get people more on board than they already are with the grilling oils. All right. Well, thank you for giving us the time to to talk about that. For sure. Absolutely. The the uh, the product is no different than Crisco than canola oil. I mean, we use a soybean oil. That's what it is. That's our basis. We use a we we looked for different butters and stuff. One of them was the Molly McButter Company. We we chased many different companies trying to find the butters. Um, but it's just a dried powdered butter that has to go through um, homogenized process. Um, and then it's dried and it goes in it. We've got different flavors that go in it and all that is dried products, the chipotle and the grill flavorings that's in the steakhouse. We're looking at other new flavors. I've, I've always been toying with and I've been given suggestions, some citrus and lime flavors in it for fish cooking, things of that. We're always looking for a new bottle. You've, you've brought up a couple ideas. We, we're looking at a new style bottle for it. But what makes it shelf life is it's just the oil. Um, it's no, like I said, it's no different than the cooking oils that's already out there. We've flavored it. We've made it uh, a branded product for grilling. But it's not any different than any other oil. There's... How many oils are in a grocery store? It sits on a dry shelf, and when you open it, it sits beside a stove or in your cabinet the whole time. There's well, no difference. So I guess where the the misconception might be, and you know, it almost goes back to the whole you know killing cows and, and how does it get there? That you have canola oil or you have extra virgin olive oil, whatever you have by the stove or in the kitchen, but it it doesn't go bad because you're using it or you're turning it over. And I don't know why you wouldn't obviously then put the same thought into a grilling oil per se, but is that a misconception? Do, do people think that this stuff, why wouldn't it go bad or how couldn't it go? If, it, if you left it out for 10 or 15 years, is it something that's going to go bad? I'm going to be honest with you. That's beyond my wealth of knowledge. I, I, I Yeah, I would say an oil will go bad in 10 or 15 years. Something's got to go rancid in it. Yep. And what it would be, I wouldn't know. I don't know if it's the BHTs or, or, or what. No, I, I don't know that answer. That's, a, that's yeah, that I would have to ask the people that I work with that I do that know it for me. So, no, I don't know that answer. So specifically for the grilling oils, is, do you have a time frame on when you would be concerned? Or if you're buying them, you're using them, and if you don't use them within six months or a year, you're not going to be in any type of a danger situation? we we have uh, put this to Oklahoma State University. They have done the research for it on us. Since there's no water added to it, they say that it's got an indefinite shelf life, and that's coming from the our state agriculture um, food research center at Oklahoma State University that does all that stuff. What's the most bizarre application for grilling oils you've heard of or that you've actually used them for? Most bizarre. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
That's a good question. Something that, gosh, I I know people that fry their eggs with it. They like the flavors of it on fried eggs, uh, but I don't think it's bizarre. Uh, gosh, I, I hear a lot of different things, but I don't think any of them is bizarre because I think it's great ideas. Uh, well, so, I think... Man, that- I, I, I think that's what lends the, for me, you know, the value in a product is how often am I using it? Am I searching it out? Am I looking for ways to incorporate it into not just the traditional stuff, but, you know, and I've done it for eggs. I've done it for uh, putting it on my buns uh, before I put them on the grill to to flash toast them. Uh, You know, anything that I usually would use butter for, I've tried it on. And I would say nine times out of ten, it's always uh, at least as good of a substitution as it would be for butter, if not better, and and sometimes most of the time a lot better, um, because of how it's how you're able to use it, and because it's kind of in that liquid form. So I think there's just a lot of value there, and if you are on the fence, you definitely need to push through it and go to butcherbbq.com and try some. Um, do do you have other flavors that you're going to be closer to releasing, uh, or are they still just in concept at this point? It's in concept at this point. Um, trying to find the, I'm more when it comes to that product. I'm more working on the packaging than extending the the product line. I need to get it right before I keep growing with it. Where I'm having more marketing worries with it than anything is that no one knows where to put it in stores. Where do you put it? Do you put it by the meat market? Do you put them on the dry shelf by the oils? Do you put it by the the sauces? Um, We've been jumped all around stores when we're in grocery stores. In specialty stores, it's easy. It's more one-on-one with the owners. People can get it, gather it. But when it comes to the bigger volumes, that's, that's been the, the holdup is, is it's 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 kind of developed a category of its own, and no one knows exactly what to do with it. I think uh, I think it would do best by the barbecues, so like the sauces and the and the schmears and the rubs and all that stuff. Because at least in the Giant Eagles where I'm at, it's all barbecue yeah. sauce and barbecue anything barbecue related. It's all right there on the shelf, right across from the bread. I think that's where it would that that's where it should win because that's where it should be living anyway. Yeah, I I think so too. We're, what we're finding is that they're even putting more and more barbecue rubs over on those aisles yep. versus over by the spices. Um, more of a suggestive sell type deal, and it's working real well with that. Um, what it, I, I'm still trying to think of a unique and different ways to choose, but what we found is not only is it just good for the vegetables and all that, but on the meat, what it does, it, it it's it's it, it's like it replaces the natural oils in the meats versus the the blue bottle world and all that. You can add just a little bit, and it doesn't take much. Don't get me wrong; squirt the hell out of it, use it up, come buy some more. <laughs> but uh, um, you can use a little bit and get a very good flavor, but it keeps it moist. It, it'll help. On the outside, it'll still let you retain your crust that you're searing and getting, but it keeps it moist on that outside layer without it drying out, too. Dave Bosca is the pitmaster of Butcher's Barbecue Competition team. ButcherBBQ.com. Dave, where are you going to be at next competing? This this coming week, we'll be in um, Derby, Kansas. 
small little contest. I think they're between 35 and 40 teams. Uh, last two weeks we've been down in Texas, Kirkland was out in Lubbock, Texas, and then Bedford, Texas, just between Dallas and Fort Worth. He is the pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue, Dave Bosca. Dave, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming out. You bet, Greg. Thanks for letting us come on. You got it. There he is, Dave Bosca. Wow. Cows can smell blood, and then they go berserk. Who knew? (laughs) Dave knew. Nobody wants to talk about the dirty deeds done dirt cheap. All right, folks, let me quickly talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control technology. If you are going to buy automatic pit temperature control devices, these are the people you want to buy from. They created this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? Here's what you do. ButcherBBQ.com. That's Butch. I'm sorry. It's uh, TheBBQGuru.com. TheBBQGuru.com. 800-288-GURU. You can also visit thebbqguru.com for more information. If you have any questions about what to order, just ask. Call them and ask. Don't guess. Thebbqguru.com, 800-288-GURU. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host. All right, Quickly, uh, racing to meet the clock, went a little long with Dave there, but I mean, he just blew my mind as usual. If it's not certified Angus beef, it's about cows smelling blood in the air and everybody's running around like batshit crazy. They're running around because they know what's coming. The end. The end is near, cows. Run. Head for the hills. We have a large second hour planned for you with a really big guest, John Marcus. We're going to get a Sam's update. We're going to talk about Todd from Bark Brothers not uh, owning up to shoes. Who knows what else? We're back right after this. Stick around. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Chad Hayden with Moose Miners Barbecue, 19th annual Jack Daniels World Barbecue Champion, and this is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lavernius, shit feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have salt men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. That's right. Hey! This is the Barbecue Central Show. For the life of me, I still cannot figure out why in the sweet hell my board is not allowing me to pull the sound out of the tower and run it back through. It's plugged in and everything. It's bizarre. 
Everything is right, except everything is wrong. Uh-oh. Can't have ringing phones on this show. It's outrageous. Boing. All right. I mean, it's just going to bother me all the way through the show. I just know it is. That's all right. We'll muddle through. We'll muddle through. Thanks again to Dave Bosco Butcher Barbecue. If you have not tried the grilling oils, might I suggest that you race over there and give it a try. Of course, my favorite is uh, butter flavor, but I do love the Chipotle and the Steakhouse as well. Give them a try. ButcherBBQ.com. Still to come on the show tonight, John Marcus will be joining me in about 12 minutes from now. Now, the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into Ypsilanti, Michigan this past weekend. This was a local qualifier that feeds the Madison-Wisconsin Regional Final. I believe that takes place in like two weeks' time, if I'm not mistaken. Top six teams moving on. Grand champion with a 691.4 Mac Attack Barbecue. Booyah! Reserve Grand Champ, the Smoke Hunters, 689.7. Third place, Smokin' Aces at the Barbecue Superstore. Number four, Smokin' in the D. Fifth place, IBQin' at the Barbecue Superstore. And rounding out the top six, moving on to Madison, Wisconsin, T-Mac Smokin', 679.9. So you're looking about 20 point, eh, mm, let's try 12 point. 12? I don't know. Who's good at math? Not me. Yeah, uh, about a 12-point differential between 1 and 6. Fairly close, 1 and 2, a little less than 2 points. So overall, a pretty tight 1 through 6. They're moving on, and uh, they will all be throwing down those top 50 teams. Will be throwing down, or I'm sorry, those top 30 teams will be throwing down in the Madison-Wisconsin Regional Final here in a couple weeks' time. The next Sam's Club Tour is this coming weekend, September 10th in Kansas City, Missouri. Home of great barbecue. So whoever's competing out there in Kansas City, Missouri, and of course that is a region of the country that is going to be stacked with awesome teams, of course. Do a lot of the best teams just ski-daddle out of Kansas City, Missouri when they have an event like this show up because they want to go somewhere where it's not so loaded or they not even care, they just want to be they want to be there, and if they're not top six, whatever, the big guns were there and everybody's playing. Or does everybody skedaddle? What's, what's everybody think about that? Anybody know? So, good luck to everybody competing. Last week, I told you about a piece that was going to be running about the show in a magazine called Cleveland Scene that Doug Tratner did on me and this magical internet show. So first of all, I want to thank everyone for the kind words that they sent my way after reading it or seeing it on all of the social media outlets, or perhaps you're local to Cleveland and you actually saw the magazine that it was in. I don't have no idea where you can actually find a Cleveland scene magazine. I have no idea. I, I was able to secure one, but through phone calls. Also, I want to thank everybody who saw it on the social media outlets and shared it, especially on Facebook. I mean, it got hundreds of shares, and people were seeing it that I had no idea would see it or share it or whatever. So the assistance, if I may, the assistance in helping me with this, throwing it around the Internet, 
has helped me secure. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? A four-year, $4 million deal with CBS Radio for a weekly syndicated version of the Barbecue Central show, which will be carried on all of their stations. What can I say? Completely humbled. I am completely in shock. Of course, I am completely telling a lie. That is completely false. There is no four-year, $4 million radio syndication. (laughs) However, I do want to thank everybody that read the article and that shared it. And it was a very enjoyable, like, 36 to 48 hours of people saying, hey, didn't know about the show or didn't know it was here in Cleveland or saw it for the first time. My neighbor across the street is a huge fan I didn't even know about. Dan, shout out to Dan. He's like, hey, heard you with Doug Tratner, man. He was a great guest. I was like, really? How did you know? He's like, I listen. I'm like, you do? He's like, yeah. He's like, what you're doing in the bay, that's kind of awesome down there. I was like, it is? That's great. It's my neighbor listening to me. I have no idea. You never know who's listening to the show. You never know. So it could happen. While I may have told a salty, tall tale, this time around, next time perhaps it won't be surprising when I reveal my multi-year, multi-million dollar get. Ain't nobody got time for that. I know. With the time remaining, I've wanted to talk about this particular subject. The great cooler debate of 2016. Is it Yeti? Is it Grizzly? Or is it a company called Arctic? R-T-I-C. Who's familiar with them? So I recently purchased an Arctic cooler uh, early June. And it shipped at the end of... Let's see, this is now September. It shipped at the end of July, and I had got it from UPS, so it's probably been about three to four weeks. Now, fact, I have zero affiliation with Arctic whatsoever. In fact, in November of last year, I actually asked them if they wanted to come on the show. This is when like all the big fancy coolers were coming out, and they were gaining a lot of traction. Everybody was talking, which one do you? So I was seeing more and more about this Arctic cooler, RTIC, and how it was just as good as Grizzly or just as good as Yeti, but half the price. I did a lot of YouTube video research and finally pulled the trigger. So I'll have to do some of my own testing and give you results. Now, of course, I cannot do a side-by-side comparison because I don't have a comparable. I got an Arctic 20, which is going to be perfect for uh, size-wise for volleyball and softball. I didn't need anything huge like the barbecue guys do to keep meat and all that crap. But, you know, I do have a Coleman that I can stick it next to. That one was 25 bucks. The Arctic was 100 and, 125 or 130 bucks for an Arctic 20. And it said the comparable Yeti was uh, 250 bucks or something like that. So, again, I'll have to do my own testing 
And as I get results and as I find them out, maybe I'll even do like a video montage and show them to you here on the show every once in a while. But, you know, with the fact of, you know, it was so hot and it's really hard. I hate to say it, but I mean, does anybody else have a wife that's, you know, really into the 31 bags? Like we have 131, maybe 231, 31 bags. And a couple of those are coolers. And one was really good, except it got a hole in the bottom. And so, but I found more and more of these, they leak, you know, like kind of the soft sided ones and they leak. I can't have leakage at all. And then I want to be able to know if I put, you know, 10 or 12 pounds of really cold rock solid ice into the cooler by the end of the day, even if it's, you know, 90 degrees outside, I want my cola to be cold or my water because I want to see like physical ice cubes instead of having to drain it out every two hours because I'm afraid there's going to be so much water. It's just going to leak. I don't want to leak. But I also didn't want to spend an arm and a leg what I perceive as an arm and a leg on some of those other name brand coolers you see and kind of doing that ambassadorship and the guerrilla marketing and all that other stuff. So if you have an Arctic, you know, write me off air. Let me know what you think about it. Again, I have the Arctic 20. Stand by for future reports. Again, not a show sponsor. I bought it with my own money. So we'll see how it goes. I'll let you know. Consumer advocacy, Greg Rempe, right here. All right, folks, let me talk to you about the CHOPS Full Power Injector System, the 2015 and 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. They come in three awesome sizes to fit your injecting needs. From backyard cooks to caterers and restaurant chefs, there's a power injector right for you. Let's break it down. I'm going to tell you a little bit about each one right now. The number one seller is the half-gallon CHOPS Power Injector System, designed for competitions or to pump up the backyard warrior They are so easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. $100 plus your shipping anywhere. The one-gallon CHOPS power injector system is designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the injection as the half-gallon. Some use it in competitions like when you're cooking MBN whole hog, or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. Comes with 14-gauge needle, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's 120 bucks. plus you pay shipping. The next one is the Chops Full Power Injector System, the electric, the commercial, and competition big daddy. Not a holding tank this time, but a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. From a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum, it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again, and if you ask him, that the Chopsville Power Injector System makes his briskets better than ever. This one comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, two 11.5-gauge, three plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's 325 bucks plus you pay shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. It's a foodie world where we require flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. Not just for meat. You can inject alcohol and fruit if you want. Every injector handmade and assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. If you want extra accessories, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices, they got you covered for that. Two, three, four-inch 12-gauge needles. Also, they have two-inch closed-tip needles, perfect for shooting fatty meats. They sell 
replacements, stock needle adapters, and plug screws. They have a great way you can upgrade your CHOP's full power injector system. Make it bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. How about that? BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. All right, we are back with John Marcus coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy from Amazon.com as well. Cooking Pellets has their own app. Download it. That will also alert you when Amazon decides to go absolutely nutsos with the uh, shipping cost. Everybody loves a great deal on the shipping cost, right? Absolutely. All right. My next guest is a Emmy Award-winning producer of TV, comedy, a playwright. You, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know, I mean, just a guy I love talking barbecue with in general. So we race to the hotline and welcome John Marcus to the show. John, how are you, buddy? Good evening, Greg. How are you? Well, you can hear me, right? I can. Yes, absolutely. Can oh, you hear me? God, I can hear you beautifully. Right. I, 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 I love the new background you have there on the set. Well, I, uh, I found a great use for reclaimed wood. <laughs> you know, this wood is is seeing a new light. It's yes. uh, getting to, you know, it could have ended up in someone's barbecue pit. John, some would say this wood is green, depending on how you look at it. I, uh, by green, you mean as a metaphor for money? Uh, well, like green screen, I guess. <laughs> oh, John, oh, uh, is it, yes. hit, hit your uh, camera button down there on your screen right, so let we me can. see, like, I'm a little challenged here, you That's know, with right. all this. There you go. Look at this guy. Here he is. is that, does that come up? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, now, of course, I got the wrong screen for you. Here you go. Greetings. We oh, thank my. Skype. Here's my question for you, Greg. Yikes. How does Skype make any money? Well, uh, I do have kind of an answer for that. and you, you, Okay. Well, okay. Oh, now you're not showing up. Oh, this is such a labor today. That's all right. I mean, I can see the inset picture that I'm on. Yeah, I know, but it like this show should be way more professional than it is. So you had to go change scenes. I didn't want to change scenes. Oh, my God. You know all about changing scenes on the fly, John, so. I, I, I do. I do know about changing scenes. I also know about changing my drawers at a barbecue contest. Yeah? Is that a story we're going to be talking about a little bit no, later? No, I don't think on this uh, particular broadcast no? I want to get into that. Right. But uh, have you ever done a segment on portable toilets? Never once. I, I would have to say that with the rise in competition popularity, so has uh, sales of uh, vehicles that have... Uh, probably palatial potties in them. So, you know, portable ones probably 
aren't as popular as one might think or at least perceived. Right. So so the larger porta potties like the ones on wheels where you go up a set of steps and go in. Yeah. And they're yeah, they're deemed to be classier. But you know, <laughs> my whole takeaway from time spent in porta potties is just how bad everyone's aim is. Yeah. Well, even uh even the ones that have like the fake uh, plastic extruded mail portion sitting off to the left of the actual can itself. Right. Yeah, that almost seems to be like, how can you aim the worst and splash back? You don't want to shake hands with people after they've gotten out of these things, of course. Do you think your listeners like that I've taken this into the gutter right away? You, Are we okay? You wouldn't be surprised, John, to know that I did a story on the show maybe a year or two ago where, uh, let's call them... Uh, uh, Jim Bob, Tony, and Jimbo were out in a country area, happened upon a porta potty. One of these guys went in, and then the other two thought it would be, oh, hilarious if we tipped it over. So they uh-huh. did. Of course, the guy in the porta potty broke his neck and was now uh, paraplegic. <sighs> Oh my lord! That's so, a, that's that is an awful story on several levels. Here's the worst part of the whole story. The guy who is now a paraplegic did not sue the cousins. They sued the porta potty and won tens of millions of dollars because it wasn't secured properly. No joke. Oh, litigious society. You know, I'll tell you something. That story alone <laughs> makes me feel America is a great country. <laughs> okay. Or that couldn't have happened anywhere. You don't. That kind of story doesn't come out of France. No, that's it. That's exactly why this is a great country to us and exactly why everybody else hates our guts. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, if we're going to get into this whole area, you know, the, the fact that the that bidets have never caught on in America is interesting to me. And why not? I mean, those are like the best invention ever. Is it just because we don't want to pay 50 bucks more when we're building a house to have a bidet? I think that there's a culture around the American male that the that believes the use of a spray to clean one's rear end out may not be manly. I, I mean, if if you are captured in the privacy of your own Louvre, I mean, what do you care? It, it's just between I, I, you and the bidet. I, well, that's what I think. I, I, I think that there are men out there who would be fearful they would start to enjoy it so much and like become addicted to just sitting on that. I would be working from that thing all day long. <laughs> I would be not only so, clean, but productive. So if you're doing this and you have the wood on a green screen behind you, but I hear a constant. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know what's going on with you, you. Yes. I've been found out by one John Marcus. All right. So. Well, okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about a product that I know you've been really investing a lot of time and, and, probably your own money in, which is the Kings of Barbecue, Barbecue Kuwait. And I remember, you know, literally years ago when we first talked about it, you were just kind of trotting it out or even maybe just kind of getting a finished product to trot out. Right. And fast forward here to 2016. And by the way, 2016 rapidly coming to a close as we are now in September, if you can believe it or not. How about that? What do you, where is Kings of Barbecue, Barbecue Kuwait living right now? So the you know the film was completed actually and uh, was accepted at about uh, I think thirteen or fourteen film festivals and where it won some awards it won awards in about five of them uh, for People's Choice or it won awards for best uh, 
military-related documentary. It, it, it's, it's been decorated, which is great. Then I decided at some point a year ago that I want to go back in now and uh, expand it and also make the film a more honest portrayal, uh, honest portrayal of some of the characters. So the, I went in and we've been recutting, and I think that's all going to be done probably early next year. So when in which you, case, then we're going to decide how to how to basically get it to the public. So when you talk about going in and and doing a, a more introspective look at some of the characters there, I guess a who are you talking about specifically, and then how do you, in your view, like what do you think you need to include, or what didn't you include in order to make this vision a reality? Well, you know, first of all, I just have to say that one of the blessings for me about being involved in the world of barbecue is the people that uh, I've gotten to meet these incredible personalities, some of them big personalities, uh, people who have been generous in how they've trained me to cook the food. Uh, I mean, I'm very, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty confident about my way around a pit, and that's all due to getting to be around people like Tuffy Stone, Johnny Trigg, Jamie Gear, Nicole Davenport, uh, these are people that have like just shown me. Chris Lilly is another one, and uh, I. So it's like I've gotten to be taught by the best. Um, and then there's also people in barbecue who, for them, the world of barbecue has been nothing but an opportunity they want to exploit. There's there's that kind of character in barbecue too, where they see fame as the end game of barbecue, and. Uh, you know, uh, it's like a whole microcosm. And the people, the big heartedness of some of the people and the small heartedness of some of the people, those are things I wanted to bring out in the film. And that's what we've done. I also, that's what I've done in the recut. And, and without getting into specifics about names and things, you know, Greg, I'm, I'm if anything, probably the most discreet man in America. Yeah, if you couldn't tell from our previous discussion, absolutely. <laughs> but then also one of the great, great uh, uh, like accidents of this movie in, in, in a positive way was the uh, sitting down for a long interview with Al Franken, who is my entree into learning how to cook because he once uh, a long time ago in 1999 made me bad ribs. I think I've told this story on your show. No, I don't recall. So, you know, Al Franken and I were writing partners yes. for a long time, and we created a show for NBC called Late Line, and Al's been a mentor in not just comedy but in life. But he also, when we met and we were writing Late Line together, claimed to be uh, the greatest, what he referred to as grillmeister in New England. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's like saying you're the best Jewish player in the NBA like what's the deal on that and then you know we were we were writing a show up at my house up in the Hudson Valley and then Al made he we made them together this is before I even got into barbecue he uh he had us make spare ribs and the recipe was really peculiar because it involved marinating them overnight in garbage bags filled <laughs> with soy sauce garlic and sugar Classic. Gallons. I, we had to go out and buy gallons. We went out to the to the Walmart. Gallons of soy sauce, big bags of Domino, and like heads and heads of garlic. 
then he had my he had me get my new Weber grill really hot. It's just his grill I had not really learned to use. And we grilled the ribs on high heat. They were done in oh. 45 minutes. We sat down to eat, Greg. I have to tell you something. They were the worst thing I'd had in my life. Of course. They were terrible and he he I I couldn't chew them at all. Like I, you know, and I was like kind of being polite because we were in the middle of a script. But Al has like a big jaw. Yeah. Sometimes I tell him I bet that he can unhinge it. But he has this big jaw, and he ate all his and all mine. And um, <laughs> I I just left that table that night thinking, why is this a beloved cuisine? And why were these so awful? And how do you make it right? And that's when I got like a couple of weeks later after research, got on an airplane flew to Kansas City and started taking lessons from Paul Kirk. Do you think that Al Franken's role in trading places towards the end on the subway car uh, with his writing partner there, I forget his name, unfortunately. Tom Davis. Yes, Tom Davis. Do you think that was one of the most underrated kind of dual cameo things ever? It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. No kidding. Yeah, you know what? I remember that part of the movie, and it sort of gave this punch of comic energy, you know, but those guys were dangerous. That's what was great about their comedy. They were dangerous. And and it was, it was no surprise to me they did that. I just before I knew Al. But it was a funny I have to I want to go back and relook at that. Oh, it's one of the but it, it probably get some pretzels in the bar car. It's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. One, it's one of my favorite movies ever. I think I know each and every line. Uh, oh my god, it, it's a great movie. So anyway, I uh, I apologize uh, for my indulgence on there, but not at all. I mean, the truth is, you know, there are films that I rewatch again and again that I just can't believe how good they are every time I see them. And one of them is the movie Galaxy Quest. Never seen it. Okay, one of the greatest comedy scripts written in the last 15 years. Really? Yep, and it's perfect. It's a perfect script, and it's Tim Allen is hilarious in it. He's really good in it, and and you've got uh, uh, you've got the great Missy Pyle, and you've got uh, you just got a great all around cast. Sam Rockwell, um, and uh, it's a perfect story, and the laughs are there. So I would recommend that Galaxy Quest. All right, I will put that on the to watch list ASAFP. Um, Please. As far as uh, the Kings movie, so uh, going back in, recutting it, telling these new stories, where That's do you right. see and it also, getting at? We're, I'm including this interview I did with Al right. that really yep. is at the heart of how we got over there. So he's now more featured in the film. Where do you, like, when do you see it being this version being released out, or, or what are the plans for that for people to start seeing? I, I would say early spring. And they're going to start hearing from me on my Twitter account uh, and on my Facebook page. And maybe I'll take out an ad or two. Maybe I'll take out an ad on your show. <laughs> I don't think you need to take out an ad. We can just probably talk about it. That's fine. I could probably mention Well, <laughs> you know, there's already, uh, a, uh, there's already a trailer online. That's for the earlier version. And I want to, I'll take that down in about a month and put up. So I'd say early spring, there's going to be an availability to either buy it as a DVD or stream it. And uh, I, I'm going to get it out there. It's going to happen. I've got too much invested in it. And also, it's just, it's charming to see this adventure that we all have. And 
although some of us in the cast are not as charming as others, it's all there for this going to be all there for the world of barbecue to see. John Mark is joining me here on the show. Uh, John, talk to me about, I think it's safe for me to say that you're kind of the, uh, well, not kind of, you are the trailblazer of barbecue on television, and you've seen it through all of the different successions from when it was like Outdoor Life Network and all the way back through. It kind of really found a niche and in, in some anchors in Destination America, finally. And, yeah. you know, the Pitmasters... Although, isn't, isn't Barbecue Pitmasters, like, off the air? Any, they're not making new ones. I was just going to say, you you know, it kind of bit the dust here after whatever the last season was. Um, I mean, right. I think on a whole, from Destination America's Pitmaster from, you know, version one, remember that one, uh, where we were following around a bunch of people to however it ended up dying. I mean, kind of an incredible run for Barbecue, oh, yes. I think, right? It, it, it's been an amazing run. Like of all the projects I've been involved with in my life, what was amazing about this is here's a show that was literally canceled six times. Now, five of the times it was canceled, it got brought back, but they finally, they finally beat the mule to death. It's a, the mule has been beaten to the point where it's unrecognizable as a mule. And the damn poor mule is laying on the ground and it's just flat. And it's got the skin is an odd color and it's just odd. So it it started as like, you know, for me, it started with Chris Lilly. Chris was the co-creator of what this show is. And uh, he lent his expertise to it. And, um, you know, it went through all these permutations. But it was never liked by the network until it was fortunate enough to get on a network that didn't have any other programming. Sometime. It became like a nightlight. In- invention is the mother of necessity, right? <laughs> that's that's right. I just don't think they had anything else. I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone from Destination America listens to your show. I'm sure they do, Greg. You know? I don't know. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, it sort of like got rescued by a great guy named Jay Peterson, who is the person who got my show on TLC. And stayed, you know, stayed with with me and and protected the show. Uh, Jay has his own production company now called Matador, and he's a he's a he's a real he's a really good TV producer and shaper of ideas. And so, you know, it it began to have a life on Destination America after TLC had canceled it twice. Do you foresee it? kind of rerunning and rerunning on Destination America in perpetuity or do you think that at some point it will just kind of phase out and cuz you know you still see it every they'll run the marathon and it's been you know however many seasons ago and everybody knows what's going to happen and, and it's a lot of the same people that you see going you know all the same kind of bitching and moaning that you hear about but yet it's still showing up it's still playing there was not a new season this year as you had said i mean it's it's kind of a, a thing that almost it's like uh, herpes right <laughs> no, I think herpes is more pleasant. But just as permanent, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if I can improve upon your example, Greg. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk STDs and barbecue, why not? But at, this, at the same time, it, it, um, 
it rose to the level it needed to rise to, or it went down to the level it was supposed to go to. I mean, I don't think I, I, all I know is the uh, people at Destination America at some point didn't feel they needed my help with the show. And they, they actually uh, decided they wanted to take elements from the show that uh, I had created with Chris and co-opt them as something else. And they, they don't, there's no authorship in uh, reality television. So you can't protect your ideas in reality television. So, so that's big. There's one person who does protect their own ideas. That's Mark Burnett, who does Survivor and yeah, Shark Tank. Very, and, very successful. Know, very successful guy. But um, I, I, I think the show could have been on now and been fresh and interesting. That it actually could have had more life to it. All right, so I had, many, I had many ideas for them, but they just didn't feel I knew enough about barbecue. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how to keep it fresh. I think there's probably a, a portion of the viewing audience that says, you know, this is the concept. How how much more fresh can you make it? It's a chopped style show now, blah, blah, blah. Like, what were some of your ideas that you thought could keep pulling a new audience uh, and then also retaining that fervent competition base that was watching it already well i wanted to do some elements that actually exist out there in the real world which is uh i wanted to go back to some of the elements that were a part of the original concept which is force everyone to cook on the same cooker give people their meat right which we which we still did on the show but that give them limits to what they could use and how luxurious they might make their, you know, all the bells and whistles that are on cookers now that are really, to me, just gimmicks that don't really add to the food. And um, take it back to the basics of barbecue to determine who's the best cook, not who's the best competition cook, but the best cook. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to remove all exotic meats uh, and I also wanted to, uh, take the show back on location. I continue to contend, John, that the, uh, this is going to be me and my liquid smoke ran all over again, because I know I'm in the minority of liquid smoke because it is prevalent throughout most barbecue sauces that you're going to open on the shelf. Of course. That's right. That's right. I find that. I think that the show would have been just fine if we if you if you keep not you but if if whoever was doing it was uh doing season one but you latched on to just a johnny trigg or just a harry sue or you know somebody that was engaging and personable and somebody that you could build a relationship with and i think we've talked about it on the show before john i think you know deadliest catch isn't popular because they're catching crabs every fucking day i mean who cares the Kardashians aren't engaging because they're, you know, excessively good looking. I mean, they're excessively rich, but I mean, it. you're watching and you're building a relationship and you're investing time and you're investing emotion. So the show didn't need to be about barbecue solely. Maybe you're traveling to the barbecue competition, but you're seeing what's happening in the inner workings right. of a relationship, it's a husband and wife team, or it's two guys, or whatever the case may be. 
So you're able to build that investment and that relationship in the show. And then at the end, you have the end of the competition. Maybe you win, maybe you don't. But it, it doesn't hinge on, well, none of these guys got called. Why the hell are we watching this show kind of a thing? You're, you're It's a more traditional, real TV show. I think that had every possibility of working. And I'm still pitching it around to uh, NBC and ABC as we speak. I, I wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, but but I, you and I are exactly on the same page, which is why they, you know, the reason they canceled season one, which seems to be everyone's favorite, yep. and mine too, which is that not enough of them were winning. And I kept saying to them, but welcome to the world of barbecue. Not, very few people win, you know? And it's about the journey. It's about not just the physical journey, but the journey of, of defeat, of learning to cook this food, of dealing with your neighbors, of dealing with the people at home that don't want you wasting time there. Those personal stories are the most interesting, and that's why the show really resonates with barbecue people and other people as well. They're just at the network. They get insecure about whether this will test well, and they can't build – they don't feel they can build an audience – with something that doesn't have winning in it and competition in it. For God's sakes, look at the Food Network now. It's crazy. Yeah. What they're doing is they're making everything about winning and speed, you know? And the truth is, it's antithetical to barbecue to deal with speed. Barbecue is about watching paint dry. Low and slow, I believe, is the mantra. Well, uh, it's lost on me because they just are hype they i don't know they uh listen the truth is is like i don't think they're setting the world on fire at all with how they're doing it and i'm sure if you look at the ratings for the food network they're probably down too because again the mule is beaten to death yeah. is unrecognizable so i'm sounding like grandpa you know greg when bill clinton ran for president the second time okay he was campaigning through South Carolina, and there was a 104-year-old man who lived in this town in South Carolina, and they said, what a great chance for a photo op to get Bill Clinton up on the guy's porch. And they got all the cameras, all the news, all the pools were there, and the journalists were waiting, and then they got Bill up there. Clinton got there with this guy in a rocking chair, 104. And they start rolling the cameras, and Bill Clinton leans next to him and talks really loud because the guy's so old and says to him, <laughs> The guy's name was Jed. And he said, Jed, I bet you've seen a lot of changes in your life, right? And Jed looks back at him with a snarl and some spittle coming out of the corner of his <laughs> mouth. And he says, yep, and I've been again every one of them. <laughs> I feel like that guy sometimes. Oh, boy. John Mark is joining me here on the show. John, can I uh, hold you over for a break here, and then we'll uh, love it, pick it I'm up. I love it, man. here. You know, I, 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 let's keep going. All right. Stand by. John Mark is joining me here on the show, and I'm going to talk to you quickly about the good facts over at Cook Shack. Makers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in your backyard in the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, or Google+. 
Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. That's right, they still have forums. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cookshack. Passion and dedication drive Cookshack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit cookshack.com. More with John Marcus right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. The segment of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories. Purveyor of made in the USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. To find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories, keep your gear where it needs to be. At arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop. And discount code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, for 10% off your entire order. Thanks to Jason and the folks over at unknownbbq.com. All right, John Marcus is joining me here on the show, and we're talking about uh, barbecue TV and barbecue in general, uh, also the uh, potential lack of bidets across this very land of ours for whatever reason that may be. We can't put our fingers on it, but nevertheless. Um, John, we uh, have been talking a lot about beef, especially on this show today. We were, my neighbor had a terrible time with the beef brisket yesterday. Wanted to blame it on the meat. I have tried to give him uh, offers of condolences, offers of advice, all of this other stuff. I've had experts on this show talking about it today. One of the things that we were talking about, you know, beef seems to be very popular, no doubt about it, especially, you know, recently, especially in Texas, any restaurant that's billing itself as Texas style, the brisket is there. The one thing that I see that perhaps is maybe even more popular is the beef rib, and I know you have a favorite one in particular that might be becoming your favorite as well. It absolutely is. That's what the the butchers referred to, the butchers who know, referred to as the 123A, which is the whole plate flat short rib cut. Three bones, some people call the Fred Flintstone rib or dinosaur rib. I am a huge fan of that cut, yes. All right, so talk to me about, you know, is it uh... – the high-level beef is pervasive anymore. You talk about Wagyu's, you talk about Kobe's, and all of this other stuff. Is this just, you know, uh, the general stuff that you're getting? Do you have a particular brand? And then, you know, once you get it, how are you prepping, how are you seasoning, and how are you cooking these to make sure you're achieving the essence of succulentness? Not a word, by the well, way, but I just made it up. Well, you know what? Uh, it's a word now. 
<laughs> you know, succulentness is now in my daily vocabulary now that you've said it. Yep. I like that. All right. And it has so many uses, by the way, not just to barbecue and cuts of meat. But um, uh, I uh, got to say that one of the people that really turned me on to this was, of course, uh, getting them in Texas, getting them at, at uh, you know, uh, at uh, Aaron Franklin's place and Mueller's Barbecue or Miller's Barbecue there in Taylor, I think, Texas. And uh, then, of course, the great Billy Durney in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Yeah, I know. And, and Billy is someone who went to school at, at Wayne Miller's place and put in his homework time and really learned it. So what I love about the meat is it's almost like cooking points, except there's, there's that bone attached to it. So it gives it an added kick. There's more flavor to it. And somehow that bone allows it to not shrink so much when it cooks. It gives it a place to rest. And I don't even take the membrane off of that. You don't have to. Are you, um, are you a, like a, a garlic salt and pepper kind of guy or just a salt and pepper guy when you're seasoning? Do you keep it Texas simple, as it were? I keep it Texas simple, except I was given a trick that I can't share because it's 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 I I honestly I I can't share it because I will violate you know the code bro of the code viewer. yeah bro code total total bro code and and so but there are a couple of I encourage people to think about adding a little heat to that maybe I will without naming how adding a little color to that. And just sexing it up a tad. You know, in New England, we got to sex it up a tad because we, it doesn't, things don't come with sexiness. I think in Texas, there's sex everywhere. You think? Oh, my God. When I'm down there, <laughs> I just feel it. I'm not part of it, but I'm, I'm wading through it. It's a sexy place, Texas. John, the, the backdrop of, of America is right behind you. That's... Is there more sex going on in New York City than anywhere? I don't think so. I can see sex out your window right now for crying out loud. Well, it's going on in every place but this apartment. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I could probably get my binoculars out and scan Fifth Avenue and find rich people's sex. That's the best kind. Well, I think it's the best kind, but it's over quick. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. No comment on that. Uh, I'm there's not rich. There's money to be made. That's right. I'm <laughs> not rich. You can't spend a lot of time doing that. That's right. Know? There's money to be made. Temperature-wise, here's what I've been told with the uh, the plate ribs. You don't want to go too hot because you do have a tendency, if you're cooking too hot, to maybe shrink off the bone a little bit. You want to be tender and gentle and, you know, 225-ish, 250 tops. Uh. I tell you, you know, I have, I cook them on two cookers. And I'm also forgetting one great teacher I've had, and that's Adam Perry Lang. Oh, he's and the Adam, master. He is a master. And he's like a born genius of meat. There's, he's a savant and uh, in, in a real way. And the real turn on for that particular cut had to do three years ago when I cooked with Adam Perry Lang in Philadelphia at a charity called Alex's Lemonade Stand. I do yearly now. And I'm there as his, like, running the pits for him, and they're my pits. So Adam calls me to come and join him because I got the pits, and I drive him down from Albany. Yeah, there's a term I, for I, that where I, I come from. 
let's make no, you know, no bones about that. So, so, you know, we've done it both ways. And I got to say, uh, on my done right smoker, uh, which is uh, charcoal and wood uh, done in a Jedmaster style, uh, we've tried 275 and we tried 250. And I really believe 250 is the way to go on that cut. But you got to keep an eye on them. And the truth is, internal temperature, cook them to about 198, 200, 203, and you're there. And it's all by touch. You know, just take that thermopen and slide that sucker in, and you can feel it when it's ready to go. But I'd say 250 is my ideal temperature. Yeah, I think beef ribs are really coming up. Uh, Mabel's Barbecue here in Cleveland serves a beef rib. It's like 40 right. bucks for one bone. Um, the, uh, 40 the, bucks? Something 38 or 40 bucks, something like that. But, okay. you know, I mean, it's full-service barbecue. It was a very expensive build-out. It's Michael Simon's uh, restaurant downtown. So, And then got there's it. a place over on the west side. I don't think they've gotten there yet, but they've entertained bringing it in. But I feel that they don't want to put that on the menu and have people have a little bit of sticker shock. So, you know, all of a sudden you have a surplus as a purveyor. That's not very good. So you want to be selling it off. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. I think beef ribs are absolutely spectacular. My brother calls them like steak on a stick. They're just absolutely totally. I mean, and they, and, and you can get them done in about seven hours and less. I've gotten them done anywhere between five and a half and seven and a half hours. And, uh, Let's talk about the raw product, though. Yeah. I do think that, you know, true the art of barbecues that take any cut of meat and, and be able to render it tender and tasty. But I got to say that I've had so much experience with that cut that if you get them and they're thin, like there's not a lot on the bone, you're going to suffer for that. Because they're all about how the meat behaves on that big, thick slab of bone. And, and if they're thin on top, you're not going to get the same action and ultimately not going to get the same succulationness. Succulentness. You know, so I'm sorry. I've got a succulentness. And so that's what we're after. And, <laughs> I, I do like succulation, though. <laughs> well, succulation is something that happens when you go to Thailand. Yeah. So anyway, the, <laughs> I like the Nebraska brand of beef. I got to say, big vote for Nyman Ranch. Big vote for Nyman Ranch. There's a gentleman who runs the beef, uh, the beef division of Nyman Ranch, uh, named John Tarpoff, who is a like one of our living geniuses of meat genetics, and and he oversees that division, and and they do some great product there. So I'm not plugging them because you know when I when I buy them, I pay for them, but um, I can go around the country and find that cut when I can find it. <clears throat> And the quality is the good quality. So you can get it in choice. You don't need prime. You can get it in choice. Consistency, the key, is always like anything in barbecue. So let me ask you about this. Butcher paper. Yes. This, this really seemed to be making an appearance almost like you know the thing to do list had been rechanged and butcher paper all of a sudden was top like one or two. And then as quickly as it came, it seems to have dove right out of any type of visibility. So do you have thoughts on butcher paper, why it's better or worse or just different than the traditional foil? Um, I would encourage anyone who really wants to explore this to look at the episode of Aaron Franklin's show that I appeared on 
If you Google Aaron's name and my name, you can get the brisket episode uh, for KRLU, that series for PBS. And we explored that because we did three uh, briskets. We did, and again, we're talking about briskets here, but we did a brisket uh, in foil where we foiled it, the Texas Crutch. We did the butcher paper and we did bareback. And I have to say, you know, because uh, Aaron, Aaron does use butcher paper as well. I think the reason that butcher paper is sort of going away is that it's not easy for people to find these big rolls of it. You, you got to know a supplier to go do that. It's not easy. You can't go down to the corner store and buy a big roll of butcher paper. So where's the win for butcher paper? I mean, if you if you were able to find a purveyor, or I'm sure Amazon.com has it, or you know something like, or maybe you just live yeah. next to a butcher's uh, a, a barbecue place that has it. Like, what's the right. benefit? Any wholesale food distributor. So you you can like find them out on the outskirts of your town. Just just go go and Google wholesale food distributor, and uh, that's one place. I'm sure the I wonder if the Uline Box Company has butcher paper Probably. i would guess they might yeah and i would get it in the uh, brown not the white because the brown is the more natural color um the truth is greg when it comes to this kind of stuff it helps to have the basic skills of the pit master before you get into anything else and the basic skills involve controlling heat and smoke and if you don't have that down adding the element of butcher paper is not going to help you you know, the one thing I found in doing the episode with Aaron, well, first of all, he's like masterful at everything he does. Yeah. He's got that. He's got that touch. But the my favorite brisket of all three in that process was bareback. Why? Because there was much more crunch and salt and bite and mouthfeel to that bark. That bark had bite. It just had something great going on. And I say to Aaron in that episode, when I start chewing on that brisket, it reminds me of LGA, LBJ riding around on his ranch in his Cadillac, yelling at people and having a woman next to him dressed in just her panties. That's like how I felt eating that brisket. Like a man. You felt like a man going fast. Yeah. With a fast woman. With a fast woman, you know, and, and shooting your six guns right. while you're chewing on the brisket. You got one hand on the wheel and the other hand's putting the brisket in your mouth. It's not like these people I see outside on Fifth Avenue having sex right. where there's nothing manly going on. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, this there's is real. Manly going on this right. is real man sex, putting meat in your mouth. <laughs> right? I I think so, personally. Yeah. So, I mean... I, I got to go back to the skills of the pit master. I, I really think like, you know, one thing that can happen when you wrap this beef after this long cook is you're going to get that bark soggy. And I'm telling you something, nothing kills uh, the, our barbecue party like limp, limp bark. Right. Limp brisket. Limp brisket. <laughs> You have to leave the B off when you're doing limp brisket. It's yeah. limp brisket. Limp brisket. <laughs> Not limp wristed, limp brisket. You lose all the succulentivity. Yeah, the succulentivity. <laughs> 
So I'm just, I don't know. I'll go all back to skill, is basic the, skill. Is the perception, though, that the butcher paper somehow breathes and doesn't take away some of the, the crunch of the bark? Or no, is that a is that a I, I think that, well, when you look at that piece of butcher paper, when you unwrap it, it has absorbed a lot of oil yeah. and fat. You know, it's absorbed fat. And I don't know if that's something you really want, you know, that it's going to pull something out. And I think there is some absorption there. You know, what did Garrison Keillor used to talk about the brown bags with the stains that indicate freshness <laughs> when he was selling his biscuits, right, on the show? And I think I, I, I just sort of think that it's better than wrapping. It's better than full on wrapping where things do limp up a bit, you know, and get a little soggy. If, if, if you had to choose between the three, uh, my number two choice would be butcher paper. My number one choice is bareback. If you fill your pit with enough meat, then there's enough moisture in the inside the vessel that's going to help protect your cook. So, I mean, I, you know, I feel very passionate about this stuff. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the other love of your life, which is playwriting and specifically the fabulous Lipitones, which has nothing to do with barbecue other than the fact <laughs> that you made me favorite son leaps and shoulder over my twin brother, a younger brother and younger sister. Um, wow. Talk to me about, I remember when we had originally talked about, this was also years ago, but I mean, this thing is a this thing is a bona fide hit. It's it's got legs. Yes, in the regional theater world, yes, definitely has legs. Including, how about this announcement I will make on your show? Hold this on, is, here we go. This, the next production of the fabulous Lipitones, written by yours truly and Mark Saint Germain, Germain is yeah. going to be at the New Theater. It's called the New Theater in Kansas City, Kansas. Yes. Starring George Went. Really? What a poll. This is announced first here on your show. Well, that's that's a like uh, I mean, all kidding aside, it's a huge that's a huge actor to get. We we're really like thrilled beyond belief. He selected the play out of several and, and the theater was also very, very happy. They've worked with George before there. And uh, George is going to be, uh, they're going to be starting rehearsals in October. Uh, it's going to be directed by David Carruthers, who's the artistic director at the New Theater. And uh, it promises to be one of the probably definitive productions of the play. And uh, it'll, you know, we want George to be happy and have a good time. Will the play live there now until it goes somewhere else? Or like, what's the, what's the uh, concept then? Opening, so each of these regional productions is separate. But if George has a good time, it, maybe it'll go somewhere else with him. You know, it's, it opens in Kansas City uh, on December the 1st, and it's going to run into February, into mid-February. It's going to be the longest run we've ever had. Yep. Uh, and I will be there opening night, if not sooner. Would you be surprised, given the chops that George has, that this is the impetus that jumps you behind your shoulder and all of a sudden we see a 42nd street situation with fabulous lipitones or is that grandiose i i think that uh the play is meant to live uh, ultimately off broadway so because uh, it's that kind of intimate evening you know it's four people it's one set uh it plays best between audiences of 250 and 500 people so that's like that's a dream 
to have that play live there. So, and George, maybe, maybe George will be part of that dream. You never know if he has a good time. But uh, it's just great to think of Kansas City and to think of George Went in your play. That, I'm happy just with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. John, as far as competition barbecue is concerned, do you have any other events on the docket for you, or are you pretty much free and clear for the remainder? I'm, I'm free and clear for the remainder. I've done a lot of, like, small cooks during the year that I've really loved, including uh, I was fortunate enough to, to cook a meal at the home of Ruth Reichel, who is a, a, a really wonderful food, uh, a novelist, as well as a writer of food and restaurant reviewer and, and of cookbooks. Uh, and uh, I've been doing events like that during the year that are more small scale and not, uh, I haven't been, I haven't competed actually at all this season. So that might happen next year. Who knows? My team is spread to the wind. Believe it or not, they're all out there living their damn lives, these people. But these total traitors. Nerves. The nerves. I know. <laughs> do you have, do you, Greg, do you have a lot of like competition barbecue people that call and call to complain about the world of competition barbecue? I mean, is there, do, are people disgruntled sometimes? I, I, I don't know if this show is the forum for that. I think Facebook and uh, the Twitter, Snapchat, uh, that, that seems to be a place where people want to go and vent about this competition should be this, or this rule should or should not be changed. And uh, coming up, unless somebody has really decided that whatever their particular grudge is is paramount to the existence of barbecue, I might get an email or field a phone call and a pitch might be made. And if I deem it worthy, I might yes. give them uh, audience on my show to plead their yes. case. But otherwise, I mean, you know, this show is, as I've always said, it's the ESPN of the industry. It's not just competition. It's not right. just bloggers. I mean, I try and cater to every. Sometimes it might trend one or one way or the other, but we try and cover it as a whole. As, as well, we I try and cover it as a whole as best I can. And sometimes I'm a little bit better at it than others. And other times I can get you know guys like you who are huge stars and oh, actually please. come on and uh, on an internet uh, radio. Well, whatever this thing is now an internet show to talk about, you know, barbecue and grilling and all the other stuff. You know, while we're at it, and by the way, I think you, you sell yourself a little short here. I think, you know, I think you, uh, it's, it's your, basically your coverage of this world, uh, that makes the show really engaging and compelling because like, you know, there's just a limit to competition barbecue and how much you can talk about, but right. to get into all the things, like when you were just talking about this sponsor just now, uh, un, now Unknown Barbecue. Yes. Uh, and I, I'm going to get on that website as soon as we're done tonight because I'm really fascinated by what they might have on well, it. So, this again, I think we were talking about how uh, necessity is the mother of invention. If you have a Weber Smoky Mountain cooker. What's the most annoying thing about having the cooker? You have to, when you take the top off, you have nowhere to put it, right? So you're going to put it down right. on the grass or you're going to put it down so you might chip it. This guy was like, hey, I'm going to fill a need. He built a hinge for it. So now you can just whoop, open it up just like a big green egg or one of those ceramic cookers and you put the top right. back down, boom, you're done. It's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, these, these are our barbecue people out there working in America selling American products. I love that. You know, um, I wanted to mention one thing, too, that I was thinking about this. Um, well, I've gotten into this habit where the play is being done. 
of offering myself up to cook a fundraising barbecue. Yes. At, at every location. I've done it at four <laughs> theaters so far. Yeah. And and they raised a ton of money. Like we raised almost $80,000 for a theater in Cape Cod that was doing the play. And uh, then I was fortunate to cook the fundraiser at the play in Florida with none other than Ray Lampy himself. Right. Very good. And 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 then in Richmond, Virginia, I did a fundraiser there, barbecue, cooking ribs with Tuffy Stone. So anybody out there who knows the theater they have that that wants to do my play, you're going to get me barbecuing there probably. Like if 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 that isn't enough. <laughs> and and also going back to gadgets and stuff. Yeah. There's um, you know, I have also. Uh, found a couple of great sites for the Big Green Egg as well that are selling completely off-label devices and gimmicks for it, which I love. And also, uh, I got a nice thing for my ranch kettle grill that contains the charcoal. I don't even know the names of these products, but I'm a big purchaser of them. Containers of charcoal? Well, what it does is it like, you know, how somehow Weber sells the baskets that you put the charcoal in. Yeah. This is not a wire basket. This is a big, this is like a solid metal <laughs> basket that contains your charcoal. Sorry, I don't have the uh -huh. name of it, but fits in the regular size Weber and the ranch Weber. You know, one of the coolest gadgets that I had seen over the last 10 years or so was, uh, it was called the mm, Charby Q, I think. Not Charby okay. Gone. That's a grill screen. Charby Q. So let's say you had a crappy gas grill that didn't work anymore. Or you just had a, cap, a crappy gas grill, but and you wanted to have a charcoal grill option as well. So this was metal, and then it, it was you had like washers on the side of it, and you could expand it or size it to your gas grill, set it right over the top, dump the charcoal in. So you could almost have like half gas grill, half charcoal grill. And my brother-in-law... His grill crapped out. I said, here, try this thing and let me know what you think. And he cooked on it, and he was like, oh, this thing's the best thing ever. I just went out and bought a new gas grill, and this is my new charcoal grill right here. You know, <laughs> meet, meet, meet my old gas grill, the new charcoal grill. So it's, uh, it's great. It's, it's barbecue, barbecue is like a perfect place for ingenuity. It really is for, like, good old American, let me find a better way. And it is, it is kind of a great thing. I mean, one of the great experiences I ever had, was buying a barbecue pit that didn't work and wasn't that well made and just totally converting it, stripping it out, putting in new materials and making it was sort of like barbecue brings that out in people, how to make it better. We want to make it better. That's right. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things I think really appeals to me about that uh, is that you strive and, you know, you've got time to be inventive because you're just sitting there all day. Yeah, what else are you doing? <laughs> Besides thinking about where you're going to install your next bidet in your house. You know, you, do we have time for me to tell you a real quick thing? I'm going to plug a couple things. Yeah, go ahead. Well, one is that I think in the next couple of days on the Huffington Post, look for a, uh, uh, an article about me and the theaters where my play is and how I'm cooking barbecue at all these theaters. So that's being written by Gerald Brunner. That's going to be on Huffington Post. Right. And then it's going to be uh, on Parade.com. Um, and then uh, I, am, I have done a turn as an actor, Greg. Yes? 
I am going to be an actor on a website. Actor. There's another. This is another like opening debut announcement for All right. you. Scoop. Um, that was created by the great writer and monologist uh, Eric Bogosian. And Eric uh, came up through the theaters downtown doing these one-man shows, these monologues. He went on to become uh, a movie star. He did a film called Talk Radio that he wrote, played the, played the host of this radio show. And then he was on Law & Order for 10 years. He's gone back to his roots, uh, roots of monologues, and he's created a website called 100 Monologues. Uh, a lot of us donated to a Kickstarter program because he was able to shoot 50 of them. And then he ran out of money and he decided to go to Kickstarter, right? Right. To do the next hundred. I gave a small amount. Uh, and when he thanked me, I said, you know, you're, the amount I've donated to you comes with a condition, which is I want to do one of these monologues. His response was, John, are you an actor? Of course, the answer is no, I'm not. But I had, I had this dream of doing something from the play Harvey which is my favorite play. Yeah. And I told him that, and he said, there's going to be nothing from Harvey on my website. You are going to do this. And Eric sent me a monologue he wrote in 1996. It's 10 minutes long, and the reason he gave it to me to do, it's a man at his grill in his backyard <laughs> in New Jersey. Well, you, you already have your motivation. <laughs> What's my it's motivation? A, that's I, yes, it was right there. You know, I was able to channel the inner pitmaster. That's my method acting, and it's a fancy grill with a lot of gimmicks on it. And, but but it's a monologue done to his his neighbor, who's not really seen on camera, but sitting right next to the grill, and it should be posted on 100 monologues within about two or three weeks. You've never been in any motion picture or television show or anything otherwise acting. Well, uh, this may get us into a total other subject, and I don't know how late we can go, but I did appear on The Cosby Show. Ooh, The Cosby Show. Where, where once, Ted Ryder where, on once we win, where once do we won Emmys, right? Oh, yes. There's a, there's, usually I have my Emmy sitting in the background when I talk <laughs> to you, but I've decided the New York skyline's far more interesting. Yeah, of course. There's sex, there's sex out there. Yeah. Who doesn't and, love that? And, <laughs> and uh yeah that uh um uh what episode was, was it because i watched all of the episodes there was an episode where um where they uh i think the that cliff uh has eaten too many hoagies and he has some dreams and one of the dreams he has is uh, one of his children uh, is uh, basically lecturing scientists about the about pasteurization. And I, and she's on a table. It's the young one, the little one that we had Rudy. in the kind. It was it was we brought in a new cute one after Rudy. Got oh, Raven Simone, right? Raven Simone's character. Yeah. And um, I played. In this fantasy sequence, Louis Pasteur. Oh. And I think the reason Bill asked me to do this was he knew I'd have to sit through torturous makeup <laughs> sessions lasting four hours a day, and he got what he wanted. He tortured his head writer. 
Are, are you surprised at what's going down with him in the past? I mean, is that bizarre or what? I'm sad. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm sad for everybody involved. It's crazy. And, uh, it It's – I had uh, – obviously – I had absolutely no notion of anything like this, none at all, and um, it's just sad all around. And when you think about, well, you know, you think about uh, how beloved this guy's been and how, you know, he's been really an icon for a long time, too, at this point in his life, to now be going through this, yeah. it's really painful to think about. And, and, and if indeed there was these acts that were engaged in with these ladies is that's really sad for them as well oh it's i mean it's uh, horrific all the way around depending on whatever angle you're looking at yeah i i you know i don't know how much to get into but just just want to say that uh, i think about him from time to time cuz he's the one i know and he was my dad for 6 years he was my father I wanted to please him because I wanted to write something that was to his level. He was so brilliant, and his mind was dazzling at all times whenever I worked with him. So, yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, is it hard because you have that personal connection with him and because you worked with him as a, as a colleague and, and you were writing lines and all this other stuff and, and really tending to the show and making sure that it was moving in the right direction, that when you hear this stuff, do you almost want to disassociate and believe that it's not happening and take like that side well, of the thing because I mean he really could be if you look at it from the other angle he could be one of the most prolific sexual abusers ever which is I mean I can't believe you say that out loud I know and uh, you know again if if the if the allegations from just one of the women is true it's bad you know there are sixty over sixty now I think. yes. But here's the thing, Greg, like my experiences are all about work, uh, the work that I did with them. And so it's separate in my mind. It's like I can't match the two. I can only think about uh, my my experiences with him. Not not all of them pleasant because he's like a huge star. Yep. He was a big star, but he was very generous to me and very, you know, he uh, he kept me around for six years, so I have a lot of gratitude for that. Sadly, I mean, there might be women who are listening to this who will be mad at me for saying that, but I, that's my that's my experience with him. Well, yeah, I mean, what, your experience, and then you know, if you were complicit, obviously, two different things. So, I mean, I, I think we can separate one and the other. Um, uh, uh, I know that I had to make him laugh with scripts. Uh, <laughs> that's all I knew, you know? Yeah. Ex yeah. That's what you're hired to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was seven nights a week, uh, you know, uh, of work as well as six days, you know? So, uh, it was a lot, it was a lot, you know, luckily I was young and I could take the abuse of working so hard and, you know, trying to keep the show alive. And as far as script wise, but, uh, you know, it's a long time ago, and and uh, I left the show in 1990-91, somewhere around there. That's a long time ago. Yeah, that, that's my junior year in high school. 
There you go. Thanks for making me feel old, Greg. What do you mean? Look how old I am now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Good Lord, who would have thought when I was watching it, I would eventually talk to the guy that was executive producer of the show? I mean, that's mind-boggling in itself. Um, when when you well, when you're writing. Is it like when you're an actor and you want to be a rock star or you're a rock star and you want to be an actor? Do you want to or do you want to be the actor when you're the writer too or do you not is that's not even like a thing on your head? It, it's it's never really been a thing on my head. You know, I've uh I have uh I think it's a lot better to get a chance to work with the words and to come up with the ideas because you're not like they're not going to look at you and go, "Well, uh, he doesn't look right to do this part. You just are proving it with what you, with your words, you know. I mean, when I sit in auditions for audition actors to come in for either a TV show or this play, um, basically, like these actors get up in the morning, they shave, they do whatever it takes to get ready. That's what they're thinking about all day. They come in and they may not look right, and they won't get the part. And I, it just kills me to think that an actor is, you know, subjected to that. So the words, you know, are what I find to be most pleasurable now. However, I do think I have this fantasy that I'm good <laughs> at acting. Yeah. I, I have this weird fantasy. And I said yes. I mean, I lobbied to do this thing and then said yes when Eric said, okay, we're going to do this 10-minute monologue. I had to go and hire a, a coach to memorize 10 pages of material. Not an acting coach, but a memorization coach who drilled me for three weeks. And then I go on the set, and Eric's there directing, and he basically is directing me. And so I got to feel what it was like when you're not pleasing a director. Do you find that the writers believe they are the linchpin of the whole thing, and then you turn it around and the actors feel that they are the linchpin of the whole thing? It's almost like a chicken was, and an that's egg. That's a great question. Yeah, I was sitting with an actor once. And who I was in partnership with to create a new TV series. I won't, I won't mention her, but she does have an Oscar and we were creating a TV series for her. And she said, well, it's the actor, you know, who creates the character. And I said, okay, I just need a second here because <laughs> What are you creating if it's not on the page? What do you create on the page? And I'll tell you, the project fell apart over that discussion. Really? It fell apart. I had a meeting on this project with Spielberg. We were pitching it all over town because she was so well-known. And the other writing partner that I had was a like, really well-known writer. And they had brought me in to turn it into a TV show with them. And this whole discussion of who creates the character. Well, you know... The writer can only, the writer starts the journey up the mountain and the actor finishes the journey. So it's a partnership. That's what it is. If somebody thinks they, like I always fancy myself, I've never really fancied myself an actor per se, but I always thought, man, you know, I have a pretty quick wit. I think maybe I could be a writer, but like whoever knows how to get into writing, like how do you even do that? I call it the AOC rule ass in the chair you write every day and and you know what that's the way to get into it but how do you know I when mean, it's like how do you know if it's good you give it to people that are honest like i just finished my i just finished the next play 
that I wrote with a writer named Rebecca Bazell. We just finished the play. It's going out now to be read. And we both think it's pretty good, but we're going to learn how good it is over the next week because three people are reading it who don't know anything about it. And you need somebody who really is a trusted friend uh, or critic or someone who actually doesn't like you to read the play. If you can make them like you with this play or this piece of writing, it's good. I've always thought some of the best live acts are stand-up comics because they are constantly having to come up with new... Well, the good ones are constantly changing the act and they'll take bits and pieces that are working really well and they'll use them for so long, but they're ever-evolving. They're always writing new material. And the really good ones seem to be the guys that have no problem also inviting, after they have their 15 minutes or a half an hour, whatever it is, calling Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Sandler and doing like a punch-up session and say, okay, yeah. here, listen to me do this live and you know, and then add in or, or punch this up or whatever. That, to me, that's really not having any worry other than I want to be the best I can be and I'm going to surround myself with the best. That, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, there's a certain generosity that's behind the stuff that's the best it can be. I actually, just, just apropos of what you brought up, uh, I have a friend who was a, an actor that worked for Mel Brooks in, a, in one of his big movies. And he described the audition for Mel Brooks. Well, yes, he, he described the first day of work. He was hired because he had many credits. He's a well-known comic actor. And when he showed up on the set, Mel said this to him. This is going to be a lot you. It's going to be a lot me when you don't even know it, but it's going to be a lot me too. But everyone who's part of this team has one goal, to get the funny up there on the screen. And it's we're selfless. We're all in service to the funny. And that's what you just described with those comics. And on TV series, we also get uh, a lot of our friends will come in on a pilot and punch it up for free. You just help each other because it's, it's much better when there's several heads around it, you know? John, anything else uh, you want to discuss before I cut you loose tonight? Yeah, I would just sort of say that, uh, you know, uh, uh, if folks are interested in, in, in watching 100 Monologues, they should check out the, the, the website and see and then keep an eye open for it because it'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. But, uh, and also keep an eye open for the Kings of Barbecue, Barbecue Kuwait coming. But also, you know, Greg, it's just always a pleasure to be here with you. And we talked about a wide range of things tonight. I hope it was of interest to your listeners. Well, who cares about them? It was interesting to me, and that's all that matters. And, uh, John, as always, I uh, appreciate the time tremendously, and uh, we'll look to do it again sooner than later. I would hope so, Greg. It was really fun. Thanks a lot right, for John, having me. Take care. Okay. All right. There he is. John Marcus. And, by the way, Kevin Bevington ready to strangle my neck. No doubt about it. Oh, that was loud. I still have no idea what is going on with my sound tonight. It's crazy. All right. One last read. I apologize to... Okay. I know. We're, I know. We're well behind. This one going out to Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue. Gang, if you are like me, you're always thinking of ways to do it a little bit better the next time around. Butcher Barbecue gives you the easier, better way 
to raise that barbecue and grilling game up. Uh, we talked about it at length tonight during his segment. The grilling oils, if you haven't tried them, if you're on the fence, get off the fence and buy them. Buy a box of six, for crying out loud. You're going to be very happy. Butter flavor, my favorite. You also have chipotle. You also have the steakhouse seasoning. We all know the butcher is well known for the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection. That has combined all the things loved with their original beef injection, but using its award-winning flavor enhancers and its ability to keep its brisket juicy. They have combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. That is also available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Perhaps you're in the market for a go-to rub or sauce. You know you hit the mother load here as well. They got all the new rubs. They got all the standby rubs, the steak and brisket and the honey rub. I just used the honey rub two days ago on ribs. I love it. Honey rub is one of my favorites. Last but not least, the sweet barbecue sauce. Ray Lampy and I disagreed disagreed vehemently on the use of liquid smoke. I was in the negative. He was in the positive. But Dave Bosca also in the negative use, which is why I particularly like his sauce. Just the right amount of tang, nice heat, not overly sweet, by the way. Don't be fooled by the name. Here's what you do. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com and stock up on your butcher stuff. Always trust your butcher. All right, we are back to wrap the show. A long one it was. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, I'm all caught up there, so we can... Head on out. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. Then we talked with Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue. That's butcherbbq.com. Ray's website, by the way, uh, drbbq.com. And then the second hour and some of the third, we talked with uh, John Marcus. A wide range of topics, if you can believe it or not. A couple of things for him, the 100 monologues, you can Google that, and then also Kings of Barbecue, Barbecue Kuwait, a recut. Uh, I'm not going to try and look into too much, but I believe he was saying that in his estimation, he's going to be showing you who the good guys are and exploiting who the not good guys are. That was my takeaway from the conversation. Yours might have been different. we got a great show planned for you next Tuesday already. Hope to see you for that. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Reppy. Good night now.